Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. Turn with me to Psalm 145. I know and I really am grateful for in the different ways that you have heard on the, on the attributes and the character of God. And as we are approaching this time when we, <clears throat> in a grander way, reflect on the thankfulness that we should be having um, in our lives, although every day can be and should be a thanksgiving. I'm not talking about the food, otherwise we couldn't handle ourselves. I'm talking about the attitude and the heart. Um, this scripture, as I was reading some other stuff, I actually, this scripture as I came about is a demonstration of some of the aspects of the character of God. Because of who God is, this is what you see. And because this is what we can see and experience of God, our response should be not just the third or fourth week of November, but every day, this thankfulness as we recognize who God is. I am titling this, <clears throat> the title, the subtitle. Now, I know that, that, that when this was written, when the psalmist wrote this, when David wrote this, that he didn't subscribe as a title, Great is the Lord, they did. But I love that title, and this is the title for today, Great is the Lord. When we think about, when we summarize, when we put a cap on the attributes and the character of God, what we should come out with is Great is the Lord. There's a little problem with that, though. You say, what is their problem with great is the Lord? Sometimes we hear that great, and we don't think about greatness in the way that it's being portrayed in this 145th division of the Psalms. We don't think that because we've overused and misused that word great. You've heard me say before, we're, movies are great. I mean, it might be good, but movies are great. In our eyes, restaurants are great. People are great. That new ride you have, man, is a great ride. The house, man, your house is great. And so then when we turn around and we want to put that and ascribe it to the Lord, we think on those terms. And it lessens that understanding. That great is not only the vastness, but, but, but it's to be awed. You are to be truly amazed. Today we would say mind blown. And so when we look at who the Lord is and how he is, I'm going to look at, and literally, <clears throat> the verses are my points. And I'm going to go through them rather quickly because there are a few of them, but I want us to see who the Lord, how the Lord is, and who the Lord is because of his attributes and his character. We've gone through them all. Some of them that I will mention now is his omniscience. God is all-knowing in past, present, 
and future. There is never a time that God does not know. Omnipotent, I mean, all powerful. There isn't anyone that will ever be more powerful than him. We don't understand that because we always have someone is stronger and better than the next guy or girl. And there are nations that are always being conquered and that are conquering. We don't understand that where he can never be conquered, has never been conquered. There has never been a time when he's not been on top, when he's not been preeminent. There has never been a time that he has taken second seat to anything nor anyone because of his power and because of that omnipotence. He is sovereign, meaning that his rule will never end and it is over all. There is no rule. That is over him. And many times we lose sight of what that means in everyday life. And man, for, for, for some of us, we live as if God is weak. We live as if we need to grant him power or somehow... We need to activate him into working. And we miss the point of who he is. So David, as he was blessing the Lord one time, I just want to give just, just, just how he puts this up because in He's going to give you the reason why he does this. I will extol you, my God and King, verse 1, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Hear that. I thought of this first when we were praying for Elliot and for Cameron and Stephanie. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And then it goes on down and saying that how they will speak of your works, that it's ongoing. God is not faddish. He's not cool now, and then he's going to get old and irrelevant later. That's us. That's not God. And when it says he shall commend, one generation shall commend, that is, hey, y'all, let me tell you about God. Let me tell you why you need to follow him. I know you think it's just the old folk talking, but this didn't just start with the old folk that you're around. They've been commending, one generation has been commending him to another for generations. Why? Because of who he is and because of how he is. So let me pray for us and then we're going to jump in. Father, we thank you so much that you are who you are and that you have revealed what you want us to know about you. You have revealed that to us. Father, will we know all there is to know about you? No. But will we know enough, God, that we can worship you and live for you in the way that you have desired and that you have proclaimed? Yes. And I pray today that as we look at you in your greatness from this 145th Psalm, 
Lord, that you would help us to respond with praise, adoration, and obedience in living for you. We ask you this in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Jump down to verse 8 because that is going to be our first point. And I want you to notice that after verse 8, although verse 8 assumes the word all, after verse 8, when the Lord, when when, when David is describing who the Lord is and how he works, it is always to all. And God is not elitist. He has made this available to all. He has made it available to all that would respond to the conditions that he has set forth. And so you can never exclude yourself from what he is saying, nor can you exclude others from who he is and what he's saying. So let's jump in. Verse 8 says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We learned about one of the characteristics of God is that he is a God of grace and a God of mercy. That is the very way you and I are sitting here today learning of him for those that have trusted in Christ, that you are followers of Christ. Why? Because of the grace of God. It was a favor bestowed on us. He looked on us when there was no reason to look on us. And he says here, the Lord is gracious and merciful. And that part we have to remember as well. If we are going to demonstrate characteristics of our Father, oh, not in perfection as He is, but in maturing progression as we grow in Him, as we mature, two things should stand out. I like how David starts off with this. He says the Lord is both gracious and merciful because that's the only way that we get to approach him. You don't know God if he's not gracious and merciful. Show up to God without his grace and mercy, and that's the last time you show up for anything. Why? Because of his holiness and his purity. You can't approach God just because you feel like it and you want to. The only reason why you and I do is because of his graciousness and his mercy that he brought in Christ. So that because of Christ, now we get to confess those sins and we get to have them forgiven and we get to come before him and to pray comfortably in conversation. The Lord is gracious and merciful. David realized that. And here's how he shows his grace and mercy. Thank the Lord for the slow to anger and abounding in steadfast, and that is that continual love. Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. I'm going to put these characteristics. If the Lord is in your life in increasing measure, you should be seeing some of these things in your life in increasing measure. Amen. If not... That's an indication that you've got some reflection to do. You've got some looking inward to do. You've got some honesty to have to talk about and deal with. Why isn't it on display in some way? And if it's not on display, and if it's never on display, am I ever even in the family?
The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's the first one. The next one, verse 9, the Lord is good to all. Remember, so the Lord is gracious and merciful. Now the Lord is good to all. We now start getting the two alls at the end of these verses. And his mercy is over all that he has made. See, there's somebody today that is thinking that the Lord has been good to them, but he's not been good to me. The Lord has been good to that, folks. And I look at what's happening in my life. Lord, I don't understand why you've been good to them, that group, those people, that area. And you've not been good to me. David is reminding us of who God is. He said, God is good to all. You mean even those who don't want him? Yes, because they're still around to have an opportunity to change and come to him. The person that rejects God and his Christ, he is still good. Why? Because you're still here. So the Lord is good to all. And you have to please. Don't gauge his goodness by if he gives you what you desire because you're assuming that what you desire is good. And it may be a good thing but it may not be good for you. And you say, but God, I know. You, you know, what do you know? You only know what you've been taught. The best surgeon in the world was once a student. The best leader in the world was once a student. You fill in the blank, the best anything was once in some form or shape, and you too, even if you think you at the top of your field, you the man or the woman, you were once a student learning. That's not God. God never learns. The moment God learns, he's not God. So God is good always to all. And when you are tempted to think he is not, please just remember his word. I know you don't feel it. I know it doesn't look like it, but just trust his word. The Lord is good to all. Next one, verse 13. Uh, actually, this is just ongoing to his goodness. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. You know what that speaks of. That is the sovereignty of God. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It is one that will not go away. It doesn't disappear and your dominion endures. I love that. God doesn't fade out. Guys, I know in our society, people will tell you, man, that's old stuff. You trusting and believing in God. Come on, catch up with the times. You tell them, my God made time. I don't need to catch up with it. 
he is always in time because there is no time without him. And so he endures. It says his kingdom, his rule and reign endures. And so while we're here and while you're here, even if you choose not to trust him, God's kingdom will outlive you. We will come and go, and his kingdom endures. Fourth point, the Lord is faithful. That's the second part of 13. The Lord is faithful in all his works. The Lord is faithful in all his words, excuse me, and kind in all his works. We talked about that just last week in Bible study. We talked about the faithfulness of God and how do we respond when we believe and embrace that the Lord is faithful. We said what faithful men is to be trustworthy, is to be dependable. The Lord is faithful. There's sometimes we say, God, we don't, we don't say it. We may even mumble it under our breaths, but sometimes we don't believe God is faithful. He failed me. When it translated, you said he didn't do what I wanted him to do. And so I'm mad at him. But Scripture tells me the Lord is faithful. He is dependable. He is trustworthy. You can lean on him. You can count on him. And where is he faithful? To the words he has spoken and to the works that he has done. Verse 14. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. Hear this, please. I like that. He said, it didn't say the Lord prevents those from stumbling on their way to falling. He, see, he said he upholds you. Have you ever been falling and someone catches you? I've had times that I wish someone caught me when I was falling in some of my most embarrassing moments. But when you are falling and someone is there to catch you and they uphold you so you don't hit the ground. And sometimes we think we hit the ground and I will put to you Oh, you didn't hit the ground like you could have if the Lord wasn't holding you. You couldn't have face planted like you could have if the Lord hadn't grabbed you. And so this is a reminder of us, based on the character of God, that the Lord upholds those who are falling. You see a brother or sister falling, don't talk about them, pray for them. Don't talk about them, talk to them, pray for them. And that the Lord in his upholding him, that they would recognize it and turn. Those who are falling, God is there. God, do you see them? It's like, who do you think is holding them from totally destroying themselves? It's the Lord. Verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways. And here's that verse again, and that phrase, and kind in all his works. 
The Lord is righteous in all his ways. So not only does he know what he's doing, y'all, it is the right and it is the pure and it is the holy thing to do that he is doing, even when it doesn't look like it. And here's the deal. I love this. And kind in all his works. There are some of us, boy, that we think that the Lord is mean in how he's working. God, are you? God says all my works, all of them are kind. Even his works of judgment, it is. When God pronounces judgment on people, on a nation, on things, is he being kind? Yes, to those that have been under their evil and, and sinful hand, kindness. When he ends the evil reign of things, kind. When he sets up good and, and, and new things, kind. All his works come from a heart of kindness. Please understand. See, because this is the kind of stuff that will move you to trust him and, and as Sister LeVette said earlier, to wait on him and your waiting isn't in disobedience. Why? Because you believe who he said he is. And so when the Lord says wait, we hate that word. Because how many of you love waiting? Right, exactly. I don't even like waiting at the stop sign if there are three cars in front of me. Can you hurry up? Can you do a California stop? Just roll through that thing. Keep going. Come on. I don't like to wait. And that's crazy because I grew up in a city where waiting was all you did growing up in New York. You waited for everything. And today, because we have such, I mean, because we have immediate available to us so much, waiting becomes that thing that everyone dreads. You don't believe me? Next time you're somewhere and someone says, I'm sorry, due to unforeseen circumstances, you'll need to wait an extra five or ten minutes. Y'all might put them groceries down in the store like I'm coming back. Or better yet, Today, I'm going to order it online and have it delivered to me. That way, I don't have to wait. It may actually take longer for you to get those things. See, the deal is none of us love waiting because it kind of interrupts how we want things to go about. But God tells us to wait. And how do we wait in obedience? Trust in his character. Knowing that he's going to work it out his way. Please, God, you know, um, please, guys, whenever folks says, it's just going to all work out, I almost want to turn to how you know? How you know? It's going to all work out. Well, yes, it will the way God wants. But what you're probably referring to is the way I want. And it may not. It's going to feel better in the end. It may not. Seriously, it may not feel better in the end, but here's what you can bank on. God is good. God is faithful. Kind in all his works. Righteous. It's the right thing. It's done from the right perspective and the right heart. Wow. Verse 18, the Lord is near to all. So the Lord is righteous in all. Now the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. 
Now, there's some conditions there, y'all. The Lord is near to all, and we, think, and we stop right there. Oh, God's near me in your little sinful self. Yeah, he is waiting for you to repent and change. But what is he saying here? He is near. He comes near. And I love this because this speaks of his omnipresence. The Lord is near to all, all who call. In other words, you have a dependency on him. God says, I'm near to you. When you depend on me and you do it in the way according to the word I have given, according to truth, not according to some of these messed up foolish things that people are putting out there about who God is and how you're going to live for him and you're going to tell God what to do and you're going to tell God how he's going to act and God can't move unless I say something. Okay, so he says he is near to all who do it in truth and that's not it. See, the issue becomes for you and I when you respond based on God's word and you do it God's way, man, just wait and look and see how God supplies for you. Verse 19, I'm sorry, verse 20, last one. The Lord preserves all who love him. And for most of us, we want to stop right there at that verse. I love the Lord that he gives you both sides. Y'all can read the rest of it. The Lord preserves all who love him, but... All the wicked he will destroy. It's the same level of promise coming from the same God. He says, if you love him, that means that for you, right? And so you embrace who he is, and he is your most favorite. He is the preeminent. He is the top. He is your best in life. He says, those who love me, I preserve. I keep. Keep when? When you need keeping. Every day, he preserves you from what? Boy, sometimes from stuff we don't even know or realize. And sometimes from stuff that we have realized. And we know that the Lord was there preserving. Why? Your love for him has his watchful preserving hand over you. And he says, but let me give you the other side of that warning. The opposite of loving him in this verse is the wicked. See, I would think, okay, love, maybe hate. No, God says love, wicked. The opposite, he says, but he will destroy the wicked. How? I don't know. When? I don't know. But these are the guarantees. God will preserve his own because they love him. And those who are wicked who reject him, he said he will destroy. See, here's the deal. When we look at 145 and great is the Lord, <clears throat> here's what I love. Here's what I love about this. It gives us how the attributes and the character of God play out every day in our life. And that's what you want to know. Yes, I know who God is. I know his, his, his attributes. I know, you know, I know his character, who he does. And you can quote and recite and say them up and down. And I would say, so what? 
what does that mean for you? How do you live differently from what you know? See, all of us right now are living differently than we did 20 years ago because of some things that we now know that we didn't know before. If you are still living the way you lived when you were in your teens and now it is 10, 20, 30 years later, something's wrong. And you are ignoring what you know. But when you learn and when you know something, it causes you to change. What is it that you know about the character and the attributes of God and how has it caused you to change? Does it cause you like David to say, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised? And I'm not just talking about when you get up here in a group of people on a Sunday morning and they're singing your favorite praise song. That's the only time God hears your voice of praise. It's not just a voice of praise. It's a life of praise. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.